Hey, welcome to Church Project. If you're a first-time guest, we're glad that you are here. Um, We're going to go ahead and turn the lights on in the back, and it's important for you to have a Bible in front of you. So if you do not have a Bible, we have Bibles over on the left and Bibles over on the right. And uh, if you want to raise your hand, we'll bring one of those to you. We're going to be reading out of the ESV version. Uh, So some of your Bibles may may read a little differently than what we have and what we're using. Uh, That's okay. Uh, We just believe that that scripture is so important. And so not that it's wrong to project, project the scripture up on the screen, but we're just not going to. And so if you can have the Bible in front of you, that would be incredible. Today is, uh, has been a fun day already, hasn't it? Our announcements went about 200 years long and Weston messed them up like crazy. It was great. I'm joking, Weston. I like picking on you. Uh, we're a body. And so if, if you're first time in here and you're going, this is a little weird, okay, do you have a weird family? That's what I want to ask, because my family's a little weird. I mean, you want to have the, the uncles and the, you know, the aunts, you're like, you're weird, okay. Well, welcome to Church Project. We're the body of Christ. And so some weeks are going to be really smooth, and we're going to look really good. Other weeks, we're going to have weeks like today, okay? How's that sound? Hey, open up your Bible to Luke chapter 22. We're going to be reading a, a, an enormous amount of verses today, three verses we're going to go through three verses. We've been walking through Luke for about two years now, and we're getting towards the end of Luke. And so we've timed it perfectly, church. Have you noticed that we're getting to the end of Luke? And so we should be hitting the death of Jesus about his birth date coming up here that we celebrate in Christmas. Isn't that awesome? Like churches usually make it so we, we like hit the death of Christ around Easter. No, we're going to hit the death of Christ around Christmas. And so it's the way we do it. It's the way it's falling. And as we, as we hit this portion of Bible in Luke, um, if you've been following along, Jesus is now, he's coming into Jerusalem. He has his disciples with him. Uh, last week, we had, we had the Lord's Supper. And if you were here, we talked about communion and, and what that represents and the, the beauty in that and how when we take communion, what we're saying is, God, we remember. We remember what you've done for us. Like this last song that we just sang about God, who you are. And we always want to make declarative statements about who Jesus is and our theology and who he is. And we want to say that and say, God, you are everything and we believe in you. So as we get into these three verses, I want to read them and then go ahead and pray and talk about what God has for us today. So Luke chapter 22, we're going to read verses 21 through 23. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is at the table. What table are we talking about? If you remember, just look back a little bit, a few verses. They're having the Lord's Supper. They're having, uh, they're they're, um, celebrating the Passover at this moment. And so they're at this table, and this is the table they're talking about. So in 21, behold, Jesus is talking. He's saying, the hand of him who betrays me is with me at this table. Verse 22, for the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them could be who was going to do this. So they're sitting at this table. They're celebrating this enormous feast. It's Jesus and his disciples, the apostles are right there with him. And as he begins to go through this, he says, one of you at this table, you're going to be the one that betrays me. So, We've had here at Dayspring, 
the last couple days, some plays, some incredible plays. Here's some props over here in the corner. Um, there was Charlie Brown. There were too many doctors. And, and so those two plays went, and, and I was able to come to one that my daughter was in. And I, I didn't make it to the one last night, but there were two plays going on. And as I was sitting and, and watching these plays, I'm thinking, these are some pretty talented young men and women. Any of you, were you ever in drama? Any of you had to memorize stuff? You know, okay, we, we have some, some drama people out there. So well done. I was in drama too. I was pretty good. My, one, of my, one of my lead roles was Gollum. You know Gollum? <laughs> my lines were really easy. It was kind of like Gollum, Gollum. I just had to make grunting sounds. It was a, I was a star, though. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> and as I'm, as I'm thinking about, and I've, as I watched you know, yesterday and the day before, just the drama and, and, and the talent that was up here, I, I, I was thinking about this passage. Have you ever been scared that you would be found out, that you're acting and you're, you're, you're not really who you are? Have you ever been scared that people would find you out? I'm just going to pause on that for a second. You know, if they really knew who I was, if they really knew how I thought, wow, you might stay far away from me. If they, if they really knew how I think, how I feel, how I act, if, if, if you really knew... But it's sometimes, you know, we, we get around people, we come to our, our house church and we polish up our Bible and we just look really good, don't we? Or, or we come even you know, on Sunday mornings and, and we try to put our best foot forward and, and here I'm looking at Judas and I'm going, I wonder if he's sitting at this table, he's putting his best foot forward. He's saying, look, Jesus, I'm, I'm one of yours. I'm at this table. I wonder what he's thinking, though, as Jesus goes through and he begins to talk in these three verses. So have you ever been scared that you would be found out? You don't want to let people down, and so you put up a front wherever you go. You act a part. And then sometimes it comes out in this. You know, someone will come up and they'll say, so how, how are you doing? And you'll say, oh, I'm, I'm fine. Everything's good. I'm doing okay. But really on the inside, uh, you really do have a lot of pain and you're tore up about something. But you don't want to reveal that because that would show that you're weak or something. And so you, you just kind of put up a front. Any of you do that? Don't raise your hand. I think we all do that, don't we? Maybe it's time. You know, we don't have the time to be honest. Or maybe it's we've been hurt. We don't want to be vulnerable. But to a degree, we all put up a front. I'm looking at verse 21. But behold... The hand of him who betrays me is with me at this table. It's kind of at this moment when Judas, I wonder if he's thinking, I'm going to be found out. Judas is thinking, I hope he doesn't find out who I am. I wonder if, if I can pull this off. Have you ever done something wrong? You know, lied, cheat, cheated, stole, done something, and you're just walking around feeling guilty? Maybe some of us in this room right now, maybe, okay? Go confess, it'll feel a lot better. Okay, if you've ever done something wrong and, and you go to the scenario where you just see everything culminating, you're going, I'm going to be found out. Like the stress of that, walking around, have you ever carried that? Like you've done something, thought something, you know, stolen something, and you come to this moment, and I'm thinking Judas right now, I wonder if he's starting to second guess himself, going, uh-oh, I, I'm I've made a deal. I'm about to betray Jesus. And now I'm sitting here with him and looking him in the eyes. And he can feel the tension just, just coming to that moment. The best that I can describe in this, well, not the best, but here's a good illustration. Our family, we lived in Mexico. 
And we weren't far from the, the border of America. So, you know, for a year we lived as missionaries and, and we would go over to the border, get our groceries, come back. So we, we would cross the American-Mexican border quite often. And sometimes we'd go and, and, and get, you know, aspirin or whatever in America and bring it back to our house. And, but my wife, uh, if you know her, um, she, <laughs> she's very pure, very honest, very trustworthy. If you, if you ever want to trust, have someone that'll, that you can trust, go to Lauren. Because here, here's the scenario. If you're crossing back over from Mexico to America, they always ask you, do you have drugs? Do you have whatever? Do you, you know, this whole thing you're supposed to declare. And, and here's Lauren. I'm, I'm thinking, what are you doing? And she's freaking out about a bottle of aspirin that she has in her purse that she's carrying with her. I mean, we could take anything back across the border into America and Lauren's over there just sweating. Like, oh my goodness, I'm going to go to jail for this bottle of aspirin. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Trustworthy to the degree. I mean, that, that's, that's crazy. She thought she was going to be found out, get thrown in prison in Mexico or something because of that. I played that card often. It was quite fun to pick her on her on that. My wonder Judas, as he's sitting in this area and at this time, I wonder if he's thinking, man, I hope Jesus doesn't find me out. Reveal who I really am, what I'm about to do at this moment. I wonder if he's starting to sweat a little bit. Would you? I would. Remember, let's, let's look at the relationship of Jesus and Judas especially. Remember what happened. It was Jesus who picked Judas. It was Jesus that years ago plucked him out of, of the ordinary and believed in him and picked him, selected him, hand-selected him. Look at Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. Do you recall this? I mean, this was about two years ago when we talked about this passage. But do you recall what happened? Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night, he continued to pr- in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, and the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot—thank Ze- 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 <laughs> you, I, I messed that up—and Judas, the son of James, and, and Judas Iscariot, and notice what it says, who became a traitor. Luke paints very clearly that Judas has been chosen. Judas walked with Jesus, he saw miracles— Jesus loved on Judas. There were moments of deep clarity that Jesus, Jude, Jesus was able to impart into Judas. There was patience. There was exhaustion. They walked together. Jesus walks with Judas for years and loves his enemy. Now, let's think about this for a second. It's easy to read a Bible story, and it's easy to kind of try to pull out truth or see what truth is in there. It's easy to do that. But how often do you put yourself in that scenario? And sometimes I like to put myself into the scenario of different characters of the Bible as we're reading through it. And so as I'm thinking about Judas, think about that being yourself. This is the man that plucked you from the ordinary. This is the man that you watched do miracles. This is the man that loved, that healed. This is the man, and as you're walking with him all along, you know that you're about to betray him, and it's culminating in this moment as Jesus is looking at the 12 and saying, one of you are going to be the one that betrays me. And Jesus, for years, has loved his enemies. And Jesus, in this moment, 
is clearly loving his enemy. But you and I, I won't say you, I, I will find myself at a red light this week. Just sitting there. And someone will cut me off as I start driving down the road. Just, I know it doesn't happen to you. And I will get mad. And me and my Ford Focus or Cadillac DeVille, that is a nice car, I will punch it and I will try to cut them off and I'll be like, I beat you. Road rage, especially if you drive to Denver. I am terrible when I get back from Denver. Ask my family. I am just exhausted. I'm worn out. Road rage. Even those people are my enemies on the road and I'm not serving them and I'm not loving them. Or even better than this, some of you, I hope this wasn't you. I'll run you over to get that TV at Black Friday. Right? Like it's about me. And so it's hard to understand what Jesus is doing as he's sitting with these 12 apostles, people that he loves. And one of them says, enemy, one that's going to betray him. And he's serving and he's loving Judas. That's huge, church. Especially if we think of our own lives. The Bible story is cute, isn't it? That's cute. Jesus loving Judas. But how does that play out in our life? And I guarantee today we're going to go and and someone is going to cut us off in traffic and you're going to laugh. Or even deeper, let's go to real life. There's relationships that you have even tomorrow morning that you wake up and you're like, I just don't like this person. They've hurt me. They've betrayed me. They've done whatever it may be. And I want to ask us, church, What does it look like in our heart? What does it look like in our mind when we're sitting at the table with the one that's about to betray us? Do we love them like Jesus loved us? Jesus, knowing full well the condition of the human heart, steps onto the scene and he serves everyone. And this is the beauty of the gospel. Can you see the gospel message in these three verses? This is the beauty of Jesus, the Jesus that we serve right here in these verses. Romans 5.8. I had to memorize this when I went to Bible college. It's the Romans road to salvation, right? Romans 5.8. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. Do you see the heart of our Savior here? Do you see this gospel message? So verse 21, the hand of him who betrays me is is with me at the table. We get to verse 22. For the son of man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man whom he is betrayed. Verse 22, there's some very controversial stuff in here. That's why we're going to only spend three verses today. Some of the controversial stuff. You want to have a a really fun Bible study this week? Just pick out the words, as it has been determined, and start looking at your concordances or Bible studies or whatever you want to do. Just spend some time in those those words, write just those words alone. Because this is what you'll find. This is a perfect example of the divine sovereignty of God and the human responsibility working together. I'm going to say this again. In this verse especially, it's a perfect example of the divine sovereignty of God and the human responsibility working together. To elaborate a little bit, let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 23. 
or verse 23. Acts chapter 2, verse 23. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. What is this saying? What is this possibly saying? God had determined that his son would be betrayed by a friend. It was determined. But divine foreknowledge does not destroy human responsibility and accountability. Everything that is happening right here is because God had planned it to happen. It was systematic. And everything that goes on into this is because it has been determined. God has planned and he knows the outcome. He also knows that Judas, he he knows how Judas is going to respond. And so he uses Judas to accomplish what was to be done as it had been determined. What do you think about this, church? Judas daily had a choice to trust that Jesus was the Messiah. He walked with them. Daily he had this choice. He walked with them. And God knew what he would choose and use him for the outcome of a betrayer. What's hard about these verses as you begin to wrestle with them and begin to think about them is that even the betrayal of Judas betraying Jesus is in harmony with the divine plan of God. God knows. He's planned it. He's accomplishing so many things in this moment. He's using the good, the bad, the ugly. He's using everything right here for his purpose. Because he's destined to go to the cross. And he's aiming for the cross for every single one of us. And he knows that a betrayer is the one that's going to fulfill the prophecy. And it's going to be Judas, the one that does this. And so... For the Son of Man, in verse 22, goes as it has been determined, comma, but woe to that man. This one was hard for me. This message was hard for me. And these words were hard for me, especially as I got to woe to that man. You know what woe to that man sounds like to me and feels like to me? A scary movie. A a B-rated scary movie. One with a low budget. A scary movie. And, and you, know, you know the scary movie. The one that you're watching, it's dark. Just get it, get, get the picture. It's dark. You see the moon, full moon, with those eerie clouds that are kind of blowing by. You see it? Yeah? You see the silhouettes of the trees. You got it in your mind. The wind. Everyone there? Right, and then you see that poor girl running. Or that, or that poor guy running, just running through the woods. And finally, he sees a house and he runs to the house, right? You got that picture? You got goosebumps? I do. You run and you, they run into the house and, and you know that they, they go into the house and what's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to go to that closet or to go to that basement. And you, as we're watching this, we're like, no, don't open the closet. Don't go to the basement. Like, don't do it. Woe to that man, don't do it. And as we look at this, I can't help but think, Judas, change your mind. Don't don't open that door. Don't go to that basement. Don't do this. 
And we can see this on this side of the story. And woe to that man. Sin always looks more attractive than it is. Judas is about to betray Jesus. And it just looks a lot more attractive. I mean, he's getting money. He's getting money for this. Sin always looks more attractive than it is. Sin is like a credit card that I know none of us use. With a billion percent interest. And we buy that shiny thing, the thing we could never afford and we'll never be able to pay it off. Like that sin, that sin is in our life. And, and some of us, we sell everything to run after that sin. And we're looking at Judas right now. What is he doing? The sin of betraying Jesus, the going against Jesus just looks so much more attractive than it actually is. It's a billion percent credit card with compound interest. Can we look at Matthew 27 verses 3 through 5? But woe to that man. Matthew 27, 3 through 5. But woe to that man. Does your heart go out to Judas right now as we read this? Then when Judas, Judas, the guy that Jesus plucked, the guy that Jesus loved, the guy that Jesus forgave, but this Judas right here. But woe, but, but when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and to the elders, saying, I have sinned and betrayed innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. The reality of Judas, the reality of what's happening, the reality of his decisions, the reality of the betrayal right here. Can you see? But woe to that man. When you choose to go against God, it always leads to pain and death. When you choose to go your own way, it always leads to pain and death. Are you familiar with the book of Judges? The book of Judges. You have good good kings, good judges, bad kings, bad judges. And it just kind of goes like this. The very last verse in in the book of Judges, if you look it up, says this. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes eyes. Judas at this moment is doing what's right in his own eyes. And in essence, what is he doing? He is serving the goals of his own flesh. He's chasing after, after the shiny lures of Satan. 30 pieces of silver. He's doing what's right in his own eye. There's no king that's greater than himself. He is his own king. Judas was tormented because of the decision that he made. Do we understand that sin does that in our lives? Do we understand that when we run after our selfish desires in our flesh, it does that in our lives? All you have to do to really grasp this is go talk to someone that's deeply addicted to a substance. Go spend some time in prison. Go talk to someone who's lost everything and ask them what their decisions have culminated to do to the point that they're at. Or if that's too scary for you, let's completely reverse the scenario. Go talk to someone that looks like they have it all together. Someone with a lot of money, a millionaire, 
Go talk to someone that they really don't have need anymore. Financial, worldly need. And go talk to them. Find out if all this stuff is making them happy. Or if there's a deeper need inside them. It's humanity. Our actions. If they're selfish and serving our kingship, it leads to death. But if we're looking at the face of Jesus and confessing, in Romans 10, 9-12, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Church, I want to ask us today where we, where we sit and how we live our lives. Are we putting up a really good front? Are, are we sitting with Jesus at this table of 12, hoping that he's not going to find us out, but all along giving a plan in our own minds of how we're going to betray Jesus and how we're going to send him to his own death, all for just a few silver coins? Are we doing this in our own life? Verse 23 And they began to question one another. Which of them it could be who was going to do this. Passages like this and verses like this are encouraging to me in my doubts and in my confusions and in in the moments that I have a lot of fears. Because I I wonder right here, and and we'll look next week a little further at this, but, but I wonder, just as we're going to stop on verse 23, if this debate that they were having, if this questioning that they were having right now was at an arrogant debate or a humbling debate. Like, I wonder if, if they were like, not me, like, I'll never do this. Or I wonder if it was kind of like, I am capable of doing this. I am capable of betraying Jesus. Like, it's, it's, it's in me. If you knew what was in my head, if you knew the actions that, that I'm capable of, I'm actually capable of doing this. And I wonder even right now, if some of the people, some of the apostles right now are carrying some of the guilt for that whole walking on the water thing. Remember that? Like Peter jumps on the water and starts running towards Jesus. And so I wonder if some of them are like, yeah, Peter, it's probably going to be me that, that betrays Jesus because I didn't even have enough faith to walk on water. But you, you walked on water. Like that's, that's awesome. So it's, it's definitely not going to be you, Peter. And so I wonder if, because you often read this passage and think they were, they were saying, it won't be me that'll do it. I wonder if though, for the ones that truly knew Jesus, I wonder if they were sitting there going, I hope it's not me. It's like saying, I've been found out. Which is the point of this entire message today? Which is where I want to hit pause. And I want to end. As Judas sits with Jesus, his mind's racing. His heart's pumping. He's thinking, I'm about to be found out for my actions. We'll see next week, especially what happens, but we see how much it tormented Judas. I bet he wishes he could go back and take back the actions, take back that small decision that he made that ended up rocking humanity. And church, how does this land on your heart today? 
What things are you debating in your mind right now? What, what thoughts do you have about who God is? And the ultimate, the, the grandest, the, the biggest thought and, the, and question I want to ask right now is, who is Jesus to you? Is he just someone that you're traveling with like Judas for the next three, three and a half years and being a part of awesome miracles? Or is Jesus truly your Messiah and your Savior? The one that with your mouth and with your heart, you've said, Jesus, I believe in you and I serve you and I surrender to you. Are you holding on to things and chasing your own kingdom or are you chasing after the things of God? And yes, God uses and ordains everything in our life for his name's sake, for his glory, for his church. If you would right now, just close your eyes, close your Bibles, and I'd like us to spend some time reflecting on what God is teaching us and showing us today. I'm not sure what has landed on your heart during this message, but I believe that the Holy Spirit can be teaching you some incredible things, showing you some incredible things. And so would you take just a moment, and if you're comfortable with it, just hold your hands out in front of you in an open submission state and just say, God, I receive whatever it is you want to show me today. God, my heart is open. My mind is open. Would you speak to me? Some of us, as we reflect on these three verses, maybe God is prodding in our hearts that we might look the part, but we're we're not truly running after God. Like we think about Him on Sundays, maybe at house church, but other than that, I mean, we just kind of live our life. If that's you in this place, would you just say, God, please break me. Break me of trying to serve my own kingdom, but God, may I serve you and who you are. God, would you use me in every aspect of my life? May this be about you and not me. Some of us, we may be putting fronts up in certain aspects of our life, acting like we're something that we're not. You know what that is. Would you just say, God, I'm tired of of putting that front up. Here it is. Here here I am. I give you complete control in this area of my life. And maybe just ask a little deeper, why do you put that front up? Is it fear? Is it pain? And then offer that to God. Say, God, may I find my identity in who you are, not what others think about me.
some of us, as we went through these verses, we just, we have a hard time trusting that God's in charge and in control of even the minute details of our life. Say, God, this is about you, for you, from you, leads to you. And I'm honored to live this life for you. I trust you with every little detail, even the things that I don't understand and I I can't comprehend. God, I trust your sovereignty in my life. Even when I don't understand, I trust you. Maybe just ask for peace for things that you're going through. Clarity, strength. Just spend some moments speaking to God right now. God, as a church, we come to you. Here's our life. God, would you please use each and every one of us? Would you use this thing called Church Project to show your love to the, to the world at large? Specifically to Greeley and Northern Colorado, would you use us to show people how much you love them? Even the people that are far from you, even the people that will betray you, may we love them. May we serve them. God, may you use us, refresh us. We thank you for what you've done for us the price that you paid for us. God, I pray that that moves us through our every breath this week as we live on purpose purpose for you.